Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Club. First rule of Book Club is you must always talk about Book Club. Second rule of Book Club is tell everyone about Book Club. Hello and welcome to another episode of Book Club. My name's Johnny Graham and I'm with my colleague and erstwhile friend, Michael Price. And Hello. we are talking about the salesperson's secret code, the belief systems that distinguish winners. And today we're going to talk about chapters five and six. We are, yes. I can't remember. So, so basically, for those of you listening or just chipping in, so we've got these guys who have um, modelled the best behaviour of the best people they could find. Um, and they've broken it down into different parts, saying what good salespeople do. Each chapter is one of these characteristics. And in that chapter, we talk about that characteristic. Today's chapter is on influence. I can't remember why I wrote this now. But I actually put at the start of chapter five, this chapter must have been written by someone else. Why? I don't know. I can't remember. You can't remember why you wrote that now. Ooh. Okay, well, let's dive in. Now, so, I'll tell you what I do like about this book, in fairness, is he has a destination belief, which is influence. And this is true of all the different beliefs, actually. Yeah. And then it has two motivators, i.e. what gets people towards that destination belief. I do actually like the way that's set out. I, I like, like the idea behind it. I do. Uh, the, there was a couple of graphics later on it, uh, over a couple of the chapters. I've really, there was one in particular I absolutely loved to bits. Um, so what you've got here is two journey motivators. The destination belief, which is all about chapter five, is influence. And what they're saying is successful salespeople are influential. I know it's a statement of the bleeding obvious. That notwithstanding, actually. That notwithstanding, you'd knock them if they missed it out. Sorry, I'm trying to text somebody. No, I'm just making sure my phone's turned off, Michael. <laughs> okay. <laughs> somebody more interesting than you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So, um, and there's two journey motivators. And I like the, you know, it's a bit of a play on words, isn't it? Guerrilla versus guerrilla, um, as they would say in uh, For those of you who uh, South America. Don't, don't speak South American, it's guerrilla or guerrilla. <laughs> yes, but it's one is guerrilla as in big, hairy, angry animal, and the other as in uh, soldier in Vietnam. I've worded that badly. I know what you mean. Now, yeah. I thought you'd like this bit, Jonathan. At first, uh, influence can look... A lot like it's data cousin manipulation. I start it. I start it. I knew you would have done. So I want to talk about this, Mike, Go on, for a minute. Okay. So, so the, you want to talk about manipulation? The, the authors posit that influence can look a lot like it's darker cousin manipulation. So we need to understand the journey motivators that support and differentiate it as an ethical element for professional selling. I, I've got a bit of a thing about this, Mike. Oh, I know you've said it quite a few times. I just want to run a little story by you. So. I meet a salesman, he's 55, he's retired. He's got a house in Spain, no mortgage, kids are all taken care of, he lives pretty well, all good. But he was a pretty manipulative guy when he was a salesman. You know, he used to manipulate situations and people to his own end. He's sitting on a nice fat pension and every month chills out, does nothing. Is there anything wrong with him? No, you see, you're not, 
you see, you're you're painting that picture to suit your story. How? How? Because what you're not really discussing is the word manipulation. You could have added any word in that and said, is there anything wrong with that person? Actually, manipulation, I think, you're, talk, you're not talking about somebody doing something underhand, whereas to the common person on the street or the normal salesperson, manipulation has a bad connotation with it, and I understand why people don't like it. But what I'm, I'm very concerned about is the way that authors in sales books approach the concept of being manipulative with a negative connotation because they and I don't think they say it for any other reason than they feel it fits the buying audience of their books and what I, I mean by that is people don't want to be associated with at an identity level a salesman that is slick slimy manipulative gets it done and rightly so I think it's like it's like the word killer isn't it if I said to you he's a killer your instant gut reaction is he's a bad person. But what if he's a sniper in the army? Yeah. So but if the, you so said to me that salesperson is, has killer instinct. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you say to me if that person is manipulative, your instant gut reaction is that's a bad adjective to associate with that person. And if you said to me, is, I'm working with a candidate at the moment, he's incredibly cunning and manipulative. He makes his deals happen by hook or by bloody crook. Nine times out of ten, he'd be a bad person. Why? Because of the word manipulation. Now, I think... Now, it helps that I know you well. Yes, yeah, so you understand so the I context. So I understand what you mean by manipulation. What you mean by manipulation is... You're talking about is building um, empathy with somebody using NLP. Is that manipulation? You're no. going to Well, you're going to say it is, but it's not bad manipulation. It's just been clever. It's better than asking, but actually, oh, you like football and I like football. Yeah, but listen to it. But actually, what most people believe by the term manipulation is two guys in the VAR channel, one works for one VAR, one works for another VAR, they both bid on the same client and decide who wins it. That's that, manipulation. That's manipulation, and that's what people don't like by manipulation. Yes, that's dirty. I that's the, and I don't think you would agree that's that that's fraudulent. Was a good, correct. Dirty. Confident. Correct. So... They anyway. look at the, yeah, and we could go on about this for a long time. I mean, we look at the two following journey modes faces in terms of a gorilla mindset, what they call the muscle-bound primate, getting what he wants through brute force versus guerrilla or guerrilla perspective, irregular fighters who engage in battle using clever, unconventional means. Okay. And I like that. Clever, unconventional means. Yeah. And I, I have a lot of respect for that distinction, actually. Because often I would say a lot of the top performers we meet, they just have a different, they almost, they in the context of this book, they have a slightly different map of the world. Yeah, yeah, I do agree with that. Um, it, it is where they come from. Um, and what he talks about is these guerrilla salespeople that are effectively, they rely on their brand, they rely on the power of their brand, they rely on the power of the They rely on the power and the, and the intensity of themselves. And sometimes they rely and, on the... Uh, uh, you and I often meet people, don't we, Mike, where you... Do you know where you often see it? It sounds harsh, this. Very big people sometimes end up being physically big. Yeah, it's just a natural tendency they have. There was a fellow that ripped us off a while ago. Oh, yeah, he was a big brute. Massive guy, apparently, you know, not far off seven foot. And he has a natural tendency. He actually ripped us off and we had to go to court. 
Yes. His natural tendency, I think, he spent his whole life being physically bigger than everybody else. He spent else. his whole life intimidating people because people with his are si with his sheer size. Yes, people are intimidated by him. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is it's not something you or I will ever suffer from. So, interestingly, page one hundred and sixty-five. <laughs> they now discuss journey motivator one. The stronger I am, the more I can influence. And it says, according to the salespeople who hold this journey motivator, there's value in getting up early, staying late in the office, holding all-nighters to prep pictures for the next day, being assertive and pressing after hearing the word no multiple times. They aim to get the brief from highest-ranking customer contact and then work down from the top. They tend to provoke the customer. They tend to provoke the customer to confront their issues or see their inadequacies. He sort of presents that in a negative way. I'm not sure it's that negative. Well. He does, and the authors do make it very clear that there is a strong Well, they say it's mix. There's, a, there's a blend, yeah. There is a blend between the two journey motivators, and it's not an all-or-nothing concept. So what they're saying is, I think it's from memory, from what I was reading, I think you're about a 20-something, yeah, 24% of salespeople. No, no, no. There's a split. I think the split ends up, if you get to the back of the chapter... 26 to 74. So, so it's 26%, 26%, 26% is actually get up early, prep your pitches. Brute force. Brute force. Yeah, yeah. So 26% of what actually makes a top salesperson is that brute force. Mm. But the 74% of what makes the top performers is the other stuff. Flexibility and the acuity to think of something different, original, smart, cute, and clever. Because it then talks about the observed behaviors of the gorilla aggressive challenger, persistent, daring unbeatable, unwavering. They all sound like pretty good qualities to me. And they say that, you know, the author, the authors say, look at the list. Imagine you're hiring new salespeople, see this profile for one of the candidates. Most sales recruiters would hire them on the spot and they mm. would. Aggressive stroke challenger, persistent, tenacious, daring, risk taker, unbeatable, determined, unwavering firm. Yeah. I reckon eight out of 10 clients, if you said that's the, the psychological profile of my candidate, they'd go, oh, Christ, sounds great, Johnny. The point is they're saying is there's got to be a blend Got to be a balance, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. What I do feel in here is that they're having a bit of a dig. As I, as I read through and we get perhaps later into some of the other chapters, I feel like they're having a bit of a dig at Challenger as a concept. Do you know, it's interesting because I did put that on the previous page, actually, about, I put there, it's very Challenger sale, this. And I did think they're having a bit of a dig at it. Yeah. Um, almost as if they're having a little bit of a dig at the concept of what we've created as this modern you know a lot of salespeople talk about themselves as challengers don't they yeah yeah yeah, absolutely and they're almost saying that's not quite it, it, it in a way or, or at least they're saying the study is saying that yes yeah so they talk a little bit about persuasion what page are you on i'm on 167 great salespeople can persuade others because they have first persuaded themselves that they're offering yeah, and utility. the same bit and is superior to competitive solutions but self-persuasion can be a razor's edge away from self-delusion too much self-persuasion can make a salesperson blind and deaf to the customer situation. And we all know, you and I both know, sometimes we meet salespeople, they're what I call belief people. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They're, they are zealots. They are evangelists. Well, I had a mate who worked for SCC, and I told you, yeah. you, you could have tortured him. And, and he it, would have still believed that SCC is the best provider in the market. But if you moved him to another company, you could have tortured him again, and he said they were. Yeah, but I mean, he, it's not an act for him. No, he, he adopts, truly believes it. He adopts the belief of where... And actually, in a I, chameleonic bet that, I bet way. that's a big part of why he sells stuff. Because the client says, should we buy from you? And he goes, yeah, 100%. Well, because why he's, wouldn't you? He's, he's congruent. Yeah, absolutely. And psychologically, the, the phrase would be psychologically coherent and congruent. 
Okay. So then they break it. Th- then they sort of mention some University of Bath and Cranfield study um, that then creates four categories that we're actually not going to use again. Um, and then journey motivator two, the more flexible I am, the more I can influence. And what they're saying is, um, this also means not every customer is the right fit for you as a seller. So what they're saying is the flexible people, they qualify out of deals. They don't get involved in trying to win every deal. They're a little bit cuter, a little bit smarter. Then we get into a ridiculous analogy about a person that sells Steinway pianos. That memorizes. Uh, and genuinely, I just kept skip reading until I found something worth getting involved in again. I'm sorry, but the whole thing about the icons uh, make renders of the book in those parts useless to me. But actually, the book does have really good content in it. And I, and I, I would want people, if you're listening to the show, um, actually, it's a good book. Just skip the bit about the icons. You can't, though. No, you can't, because it's interwoven. Um, so I'm going to move on past that. Uh, interrelations, industry observers. Chapter one, uh, page 174, sorry. God, thank Go on, God so what have we found on 174? God, there's not 174 chapters. <laughs> industry observers have noted a decline in the effectiveness of, out, out, of outbound B2B calls when it may take 18 or more phone calls to connect to a new person. And blah, 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 blah. I, I just think this whole thing about you know, kicking the uh, cold caller has just been done to death now. Yeah, and, and you and I both know, if you said to me, what's your favourite... We've read Combo Prospecting. I thought that book was absolutely Well, that's the favourite book I've done on book club so far. Is it really? Yeah. It's my, uh, Combo Prospecting was a wake-up call for me and did me more good personally, energised me more, inspired me more, and created behavioural change more than any other book we did on book club. Wow, crazy indeed, that, isn't it? Yeah, so, you know, I read that and I just think, yeah, whatever. Because actually, since I read Combo Prospecting, if you look to the statistics, my volume of client opportunities has shot up. Fair enough. Um, why? Because I'm getting on my phone again. I've got my mojo back a bit. And the mojo is get on your phone. Stuff happens when you're on your phone, as you always say, Mike. It does, though, doesn't it? Yeah, stuff just happens. So just, I don't. So I just, just don't stuff. buy the that whole thing. If you're in a corporate world, maybe I don't know. But then we have a little bit of a, a bit of a one pager on social selling, and then they do mention a book, selling to the C-suite. I think we should have a look at that. Seminal sales book. Never heard of it. Yeah, the author the the author made contacts with, with us actually about it the other day. Good. Okay. Um, so may, maybe we should have a look at that book as a potentially. Look, it looks I'll start skipping him through this a little bit now, because <laughs> he because he's then given us or they've then given us like s- some lessons on social selling, and I mean I'm not. Ah, uh, yeah. Selling this expert. is this is where it went really wrong. I'm not a social selling expert, but this is just written better by a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I actually so there's a couple of quotes. This is just really amateurish. I thought. Yeah, I actually wrote, "Oh, come on." <laughs> At the top of page 177. Um, and then it, 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 it basically where you're getting to here is about in, 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 as far as influence is concerned. Well, social um, social selling is a big part of they, influence, isn't it? They're giving some tips on social selling and using social media. It, for me, it felt like chapter fluffing. And um, if you really, really are interested in upping your social game, 
Just there's a million other books you can read. It's a rabbit hole. Go down it, but go down it deep. Um, I actually put on page one eight three this information so basic and poor. I cannot believe it's in this book. Yeah, I'm dated. So I'm gonna go on to chapter Instagram. Six. Don't ask people to follow you. Tell me this, Mike. How many people do you know who are actually getting anywhere? And in fact, I'm going to launch a challenge to our listeners. I'd like to hear from a listener who has somehow transacted business as a result of their usage of Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. And that means not just having read it and acted on the content in it, but actually posted something that then created business. Just created or done something. Because I can tell you now, Every time I look at a client's Twitter profile, nobody's posted on it for three years. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, chapter six. So that was an okay chapter. The bits I liked about that chapter are the concept of gorilla versus gorilla. Yes, I like that. And the information around that's very useful. I didn't, you know, necessarily buy it 100%, but that was a very useful concept. And then they do a couple bits on additional insight, influence insights from top performing salesperson. And, and there was a little bit here I thought was useful. Have you ever encountered an assertive salesperson and decided not to buy from them, even though you wanted the product? There are many poor sales practices in the market perpetuated by shallow training providers and tactically minded managers. I'll tell you, last week I had an experience with a salesperson. Right. Actually, I bought off him anyway because we needed the technology as part of a little strategic plan you and I have got. But genuinely, he was like an archetype, fast-talking, aggressive, kept calling me my friend. Right. Which I know you have a real thing with. Yeah, well, we're not friends, are we? No, well, it's what you know, like I've had a haircut yesterday. What? Why? Whoa! Mike's ripping the place apart here. Sorry, continue, Jonathan. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, I've had a haircut yesterday. I go to a specific hairdresser's where nobody calls me mate and no one talks to me. And that's my favourite barbers in town. This guy kept calling me my friend. And, and at some point, I actually nearly wanted to say to him, listen, son, I am not your friend. We'd have had that conversation early on here. <laughs> um, and, and he was a gorilla. But well, he, he won his, the deal anyway. He hey, he's got his numbers on the board. I'm yeah, part. Yeah. I'm part of this month's quota, and he's going to earn some bonus off it. And he was a nice lad. And do you know what? They're based in the US, and they're based a long way away in the US. And it was fair play. It was half seven in the morning for him, and he was up and at him, and he was like, genuinely, he was like Tigger. Cool. <laughs> Chapter was like six Tigger. then is about communication. Yeah, and then can I just a final bit on uh, these influence bits? The final bit is this: apply the rule of reciprocity. Uh, a tenet of social psychology says people will give something back when you give something of value to them. Can I suggest if you're into that, actually, Bob, if you're listening... Give us gain. Read, go give us, get more. Yes, I do agree. Um, Bob Berg, you did make a difference in my career. I, I've done a bit of go giving, and I've got to tell you, it does come back. But that's a much better treatise on that subject. Good, right. And, and listen to uh, the episodes of Book Club, which pertain to it. And review us on uh, iTunes. Okay, so then what's in the mind? Reciprocity. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then at the last of it, there was a bit on page 189 about two guys who met in the Air Force that's deeply irrelevant. Um, and I wrote OMG next to that. So well, let's move on to the next chapter. But overall, there's some really interesting stuff in that. Okay, so chapter six, it says that one of the facets of uh, uh, top salespeople is communication. Yes, it is. I'm surprised. Because? I'm not surprised. I thought we'd taken as a given, really. And what they talk about, I like this. It's sort of quite pithy, isn't it? 
lightning and thunder, a bit like my biceps. Yeah, so destination belief is communication. The journey motivator is great communication is about getting your message across lightning. Journey motivator two is getting your communication about developing continuous and meaningful dialogue. Thunder. Yes, absolutely. Um, so what they're basically saying is successful people know best how to communicate. It's interesting. It says you generate ethos by choosing language appropriate for your for the audience, employing correct grammar, and exuding professionalism. So, let's just talk about this for a minute, Jonathan, because one of the things I really am not a fan of a fan of a fan of a fan of yeah is how are you? Just explain that, Mike. It's, well, that's up there with my friend. Yeah. So somebody phones me. I've never spoken to them before. I'm walking a shop. How are, are you? you? You just don't care, so why have you asked? Well, no, it's, actually, it's if a it's somebody I've known for a long time, I'll ask them how they are, because actually I care how they are. And then the other things in terms of grammar is... Well, is that grammar? Is that bad grammar? Well, no, he's talking about choosing the appropriate, uh, language appropriate for so the audience. So what you're saying is... So what I'm saying is, how are you? That isn't language appropriate for somebody I don't so, know. So, yeah, so what the authors would say is... Somebody with the right sensory acuity would rumble that you are a very utilitarian guy. Yeah, somebody with the right and, sensory acuity wouldn't ask it in the first place. Well, they would rumble quickly that you're not a man that, want, that wants to do lots of social prefacing and that you just want to get or, to business. What what do you make of think and with? Because that's in and amongst that same thing, isn't it? Well, we had a guy who worked here who says think and with. No, it doesn't seem to have stopped him. It stopped him in our market. Do you reckon? He now sells into the engineering market. Yeah, yeah, fair comment. Which, when he left, I said, you'll do all right in engineering or construction. But in yeah. our world, and uh, just uh, linking into something that you uh, posted on LinkedIn recently that got a lot of uh, response about the middle classes. Yes. Um, in our world, which if you did a demographic subsection thereof, Yes. If you say think and with, the reality is you will get crucified. And that's about choosing language appropriate for the but audience. What, correct. And what won't happen to you is you won't get crucified knowingly. No, they just won't call you back. Yes. It's interesting, I sat in a car the other day with, with two 12-year-old boys on the way to rugby, uh, and they've decided to start talking like Stormzy. Yes, you hear a lot of that on the streets. And these are two gram these are two boys that are privately educated at Leeds Grammar School, <laughs> much to the chagrin of their families. But that they texted myself and my mate whilst we were in McDonald's eating, "Man is hungry, man wants chips." <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, you know it's that communication, isn't it? They need to snap out of that quickly. <sighs> I talk. I tried to. I tried to talk them out of it. But a lot of that great communication is about communicating like the people that you're communicating with. I mean, it says some stuff here. Our research revealed that all salespeople believe in the power of effective communication. And they had to do some research to find that. What's interesting is that, but Mike, it is a belief. And the What's top sale. The, the point is, it's a, co, it's a cognitively present belief. All salespeople believe in effective communication, the top salespeople, i.e. the top salespeople are cognitively aware of the importance of the way in which well, they communicate. Well, that's true, actually, yes. I do agree with that. And the, the way in which they communicate both verbal and non-verbal. And I think that's a very valid point from our authors, or from the research. Do you know what's interesting? Taken. I went to see a client recently, 
nice man. I've spoken to him subsequently, and I don't want to think I'm being negative about him at all. I'm not. And I said, are you interested in how we generate candidates? He went, no. Are you I interested went, in knowing a bit more about our organisation? He said, no. Nope. <laughs> but the fact is, you asked him. And what they would say is, that's, that's the thunder. That's our point. What they would say is, you are thunderous. Uh, the, the research would say, you're a thunder guy. Because yeah. actually, you rumbled. You thought, this guy, CEO, how much is that a business turnover? About 40, 50 million. CEO, 40, 50 million pound company. Doesn't really care. Well, look at my other CEO, my Just top wants- contact. You've been with him at the office when I nipped off to have a meeting with him and I was gone 15 minutes done done he didn't ask me how I was just he just told gave you instructions yeah this is what I want this is what I need but that's about communication isn't it anyway but it's the communication and the sensory acuity to think "Hmm, this guy's busy Hmm, does he really want to hear a big pitch about my business I've already got terms and conditions signed and the the head of HR has already invited me here this guy's just here to brief me correct You've been to the meeting. He's told you what you wanted. You've explained to him what he will and won't get for his money. I drove five hours. I was with him uh, for and half you've an hour. Correct. But I don't have a problem with that. And then we go on to Journey Motivator 1. Great communication is about getting your message across clearly and succinctly. It goes on a little bit and then it says, the danger with this approach is that it starts with talking about yourself. I get that a lot. So it's interesting with some of the candidates. Go on. Is, so you're my candidate. You've sent me a note of some kind for whatever reason. All right, Jonathan, how's it going? Yeah, not bad, Mike. Anyway, let me tell you about where I'm at. I think, right, okay. Or you're another candidate. I say, all right, Johnny, how's it going? You start questioning me. I know which one's going to avert more. It's always the latter. Oh, yeah. Because they're just seeing what's going to happen. Then they're choosing their language. They're just waiting to see what's going to go on in the call. They're waiting to strike you. And I think that's good. Whereas sometimes you get... and. An <laughs> Sometimes you end up wondering why you're looking at bbc.co.uk forward slash rugby league halfway through the call. Correct. Because you realise the candidate's just on send. And they haven't understood or engaged. And you and they've lost you. Yeah. And you're like, oh, God, right. Some shaggy dog story about how he's not at his target. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> right. Yeah. Whereas the top ones are on, they're in the thunder space, aren't they? Yes. So, Mike, uh, I've you, seen this job. Who's your client? <laughs> yeah. Well, they just ask you questions. It doesn't really matter what question well, they just ask. Just explain to me a little bit more about what your client's looking for. Yeah, they just you start do? probing. What do you do? And then at some point, you have to turn and say, actually, hang on a minute. Is it you that's working with that client? Yeah, you, and you have to say, uh, uh, let's stop here a minute. How does my CV look in comparison? Because actually, and what I'm going to do, Jonathan, is I'm going to ask you some questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before you and know they go, you, oh, good, okay. Yeah, before you know it, you've completely lost control of the conversation and you're sort of running around after this candidate. Well, we know the but score. You, the know, you, you watch Pat, you walk past an interview room and in our old office, there was one that was called the glass room. So it was obviously made of glass. Couldn't hear anything, but you could see. Yeah. So you could see who was asking the questions. Yes, you could. If the candidate was asking the questions, you thought he's going to nail that. Be all right, this guy. Yeah. Yeah. I always used to like it when I was interviewing in the glass room and you used to turn the air conditioning up to 30, de- as hot as you could get it. <laughs> it got <laughs> they hot were in there, funny it? days. Good, very good practical joke that never grew tired. No, no, no. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and then what they're saying is journey motivator number two, great communication is about developing continuous and meaningful dialogue. And we're both very much in agreement with that. What's the percentage split between these two? No, no, I just want to talk about something that I underlined in journey motivator number two, actually. Uh, and it's page 212. Interview with Harriet Taylor of Oracle. Told us. To be a problem solver, I don't take a tell-sell approach. I use my charisma and social skills. <laughs> I hope she comes on the show. Right. Ringers, uh, Harriet. 
Please. Right. Uh, what's our split between Ring us, Harriet, two? and defend that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the split between the two is... They're and then saying, the, and and then my favourite was a top salesperson from Apple. Yeah, shows. I underlined that as well. But I just I, thought I, I could have stopped now. Look, you know, listen. You might get a job at Apple, and good for you. I'm happy you work at Apple. But I'm sorry, it's not hard working at Apple. Well, no, it really is. It's competitive says, out there. We have to be students of our customers' businesses. Why? They're just going to buy it anyway. What what kind of people are buying off Apple? Well, the the channel. Uh, it's totally demand led. And all right, in the old days, before the Steve Jobs resurgence, actually it was quite a hard job, but it wasn't, because actually what did, who did Apple sell to? Uh, they sold to uh, creatives, and it was the de facto standard technology in the creative world. It does say some good stuff. Page 216, high performers believe that they should start each discussion in a state of unknowing. Love that. Do agree with that completely. Yeah. He's absolutely right. Um, so I'll just show you something I wrote in my book. I can't say it out loud, but I don't know if you can read that. <laughs> that's funny so the split on the journey motivators that we are 21% great communication is about getting message across 79% great communication is about developing continuous meaningful dialogue and as much as I knocked that chapter I think that's absolutely spot on yes the, and do you know there was a nice story in here do you know which bit I really liked was the bit about the Star Wars figures I actually quite liked that story Go on, then tell our listeners, Jonathan. So there's a story in here about a sales guy who, uh, in the height, I mean, this is a while ago here. I always worry when candidates start telling me stories from the 70s. Um, that's another story on another day. Um, and what they're saying is basically the guy goes out to meet this client. Client starts talking about how he can't get his kids the latest Star Wars figures. Um, and he's doing a pitch to the company. And what he does is... He makes his pitch around a load of Star Wars locations and maps. Yeah, I thought it was smart, actually. And does his presentation around it. And then at the end of the presentation, he leaves all the kit there that is used to do the presentation that was in theme, amongst which is the Star Wars figures, because the client said, I can't get my kids the latest Star Wars figures, and he just leaves them in the room in a sort of very subtle way and walks away. And I thought, actually, that is salesmanship. That's thinking isn't it and it's now, not is that manipulative well uh, is it i think that's your version of manipulation which i don't think is a bad version no that's my version of manipulation that's what you're talking that's, about that's that's playing the emotion of the individual but i think when that's my, my version the word of manipulation they think nasty stuff like two separate companies both yeah, yeah. For the same business and doing my version of manipulation is, is understanding the emotion of the individual Yes. Touching people in the right places at the right times in a cunning Anyway, chapters way. five and six, what do you make of them? <sighs> chapters five and six. So we had communication and we had influence. Both important characteristics. I think communication could have been a longer chapter, actually. Um, and some good, in there's some good and there's some bad, you know. I've got um, to tell you, you know, we're conceptually, gonna... they're both bang right the idea of this book and is actually great. conceptually if you got this book right the framework of the secret code itself resilience influence communication the fulfillment control resilience influence communication that that is actually a very interesting framework around which to base your game yes it is it's a good framework so if if you 
graded yourself on those characteristics and thought, right, today I'm going to work on my communication. Today I'm going to work on my Correct. influence. You'd be, you'd be if you're asking yourself the hard questions, so I, I've got to be very careful here about being negative about it, because actually, if you, if, if I was a, if a client came to me and said, I'm going to grade these candidates around fulfillment, control, resilience, influence, communication, they'd be all right criteria for a set of sub competencies around a good each one. Yeah, if, if somebody did a competency-based interview around those key areas, I tell you what, you'd probably pick some winners. I agree completely. So uh, there's parts of the book I'm finding very frustrating. You know, I've, I've said I didn't like the icon thing. You know, there's certain bits here. There's a bit here on page 224 about give positive feedback on things you observe. Catch the customer doing something you admire and tell them you admire it. It might be the way they facilitated it. I just thought that's just desperately cheesy. Um, you know, create memorable. But then again, additional communication insights from top performing salespeople. And a lot of it's very obvious, you know, see every stakeholder as unique. It's obvious to people that have been interviewing salespeople for a long time. Yes. See every stakeholder as unique. That's actually... But if I was an MD of a company and I'd come from a technical or accounting background rather than a sales background, which, you know, a lot of, a lot of the MDs have. Yeah. And the MD said, listen, I'm going to interview people. Say, would you choose those criteria? Wouldn't be a bad start. No. You know, there's a bit here at the back end of Chapter 6 the psychologist says we all communicate through various channels um, and what they talk about here is the need to consider the person with whom you communicate and how you may adapt your communication to suit them. You know, I, I'm a big fan of this app, Crystal, um, which runs a disk profile of an individual over LinkedIn. I've used it on a few different occasions. It's amazing. It is mind-blowingly accurate. I don't know how it gets the data on the individuals without actually doing a disk test with them. But I've seen it, it does, yeah. and it's really great. Um, and it's that sort of thing. If you're smart enough to find whatever advantage you can in terms of the way you communicate, then game on. So there's some good stuff in it. And so I, next I, week. I, I like it. Journey Motivator 2 is great communication is about developing continuous and meaningful dialogue versus great communication is about getting your message across clearly and succinctly. Thunder versus lightning. So what do I make of it? It's all right. Next week, we're talking about chapters seven and eight. Which might be a short show, actually. Yeah, well, I mean, chapter eight isn't—they're they're different, aren't they? They're not, There's not a lot in there. Yeah, yeah, they're not criteria in the same way that these are. No. So overall, all interesting stuff, and that is another week of book club. Awesome. Good day. <laughs>